You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. But Taylor Swift can't seem to shake off a lawsuit claiming she stole the lyrics to her 2014 mega-hit. Songwriters Sean Hall and Nathan Butler claim that Swift's Shake It Off infringed on the lyrics of their 2001 song, Play As Gun Play. A federal judge threw out the lawsuit last year, noting lyrics from more than a dozen other song titles and band names that reference players, haters, or both. But the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals disagreed and reinstated the lawsuit, sending it back to the judge. Joining me is intellectual property litigator Terrence Ross, a partner at Catton Rosenman. So, Terry, why did the Ninth Circuit reverse the lower court's decision? The Ninth Circuit decided that the lower court judge had decided at too soon a point in the case that the allegedly copied work was lacking in originality. So this was essentially a procedural ruling, sending the decision back to the court and instructing the lower court to reconsider at a later point in the case whether or not the claimed copyright phrase had sufficient originality to allow a lawsuit. Terry, explain what the copyright claim is. Is it just over these short phrases? There's actually two allegations. One is over this word phrase. The plaintiff's song is called Play Is Gonna Play. And everyone knows around the world, probably, Taylor Swift's now famous song, Players Gonna Play, 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 Haters Gonna Hate, 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 Shake It Off. And so that 
short phrase, players going to play, is one aspect of the case. But the other aspect is a four-part lyrical sequence in the song, Players Gonna Play, which was also found to be lacking in sufficient originality to be copyrightable in the first place. Courts routinely dismiss copyright infringement claims. Isn't this a threshold question that the judge could answer? They seem to be ordinary phrases and lyrics. I agree with that completely. Indeed, the United States Copyright Office has a regulation that says it will not allow short phrases to be copyrighted, and they don't take applications on short phrases and run them by the general public to see if they have sufficient degree of originality. So I think this decision in some respects surprised many copyright practitioners. But again, it's important to stress that this is not in any way a decision on the merits favoring either side of the dispute. This is going to go back to the trial court, and the case will go on. All of the claims are still existing. All of the burdens of proof that the plaintiff has still have to be met. All of the defenses that Taylor Swift has still exist and are still considered valid. So it's simply postponing for another day the question of whether or not these short phrases are copyrightable in the first place due to originality. Did the Ninth Circuit give the lower court guidance on what to do next? Not really. The, the Ninth Circuit's decision essentially tells the district court judge that you, the district court judge, at the very outset of the case, should not be making a determination as to whether this short phrase had sufficient originality to be copyrightable. Because remember, you don't get to copyright just anything. There is at least a threshold requirement of showing some minimal degree of originality and creativity to justify a copyright. We don't allow a copyright in facts. We don't allow copyrights in common sayings or expressions that people use every day because we don't want to create monopolies in words or in short phrases. But all the Ninth Circuit here said was, we're not previewing how we would come out. We're just telling you, the trial judge, that you did this too soon. You have to at least wait till a later point in the case to make this decision on originality. What other information does the court need? Does this actually have to go to a jury? It might have to go to a jury, but there is a way of shortcutting a jury trial that's referred to as a summary judgment. And here, Taylor Swift would potentially bring a summary judgment motion saying that no reasonable jury could ever find that this short phrase is sufficiently original to be copyrightable. And in that case, a judge, if he agrees that no reasonable jury could make such a finding, could substitute his opinion for that of the jury, and you would bypass a jury trial, hence the phrase summary judgment. I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen here. I'm just saying that it is not necessarily the result of this ruling that there has to be a jury trial. 
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. The judges on the Ninth Circuit panel reached back to a 1903 decision from Supreme Court Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes for a quote. Why did they reach back so far? So this is sort of an inside baseball issue here. I believe, it's my opinion, that the Ninth Circuit judges were concerned about how this ruling would be perceived by copyright practitioners in general, that most copyright practitioners would have the same reaction, June, that you did, which is, do you really have to have a jury trial on this? And so they were looking for a form of cover here. And they cite an iconic decision in the area of copyright law called Bleistein versus Donaldson Lithographing Company. It does go back to 1903, but it is by one of the great jurists of all time, Oliver Wendell Holmes, Jr., in which he says, with respect to an illustration, that the decision on whether it is sufficiently original should go to a jury and not be made by judges. And I think what they're saying there is, hey, look, we're not the first group of appellate judges to decide that originality has to go to a jury or a fact finder of some sort. The great Justice Holmes did this, and this is a case that is taught to this day in every single copyright treatise and every single law student who uh, takes a copyright class will learn this case and know this case, so it is instantly recognizable to the fraternity of copyright lawyers and is a way of really saying, hey, don't think what we are doing here in the Ninth Circuit is unusual. Justice Holmes did this. Remember Blystein. <laughs> but is the Ninth Circuit, this panel of the Ninth Circuit, setting the bar lower and lower in copyright cases and perhaps leading to a lot more copyright cases? June, I don't think the Ninth Circuit was attempting with this case to purposefully lower the bar for plaintiffs or to raise the bar for defendants in copyright cases. I think the court was simply making a decision with respect to allocating the final determination of originality away from a district court judge to a jury or other fact finder. The result of this decision is to remove a quick, easy, inexpensive mechanism for performers and record companies to get rid of lawsuits in the copyright area. It does indeed raise the bar a little bit. I'm not saying it raises the bar a lot or even in a way that can't still be hurdled by defendants. But again, I don't think this Ninth Circuit panel was thinking in these terms. What they were thinking about was, are you, the trial judge, the right person to determine what constitutes originality, given the history we have in this country with respect to allocating originality decisions to fact finders, i.e. juries? Uh, I think that's all they were doing. 
I don't think they were purposely trying to make it easier for copyright plaintiffs or harder for copyright defendants in court. Some people say this might stifle creativity. Do you agree with that? I don't think that this decision itself will stifle creativity. My experience with entertainers is that they're driven to create and would arguably do so even without complete copyright protections. That is not to say that they shouldn't be rewarded for their creativity. They should. But I don't think this decision in and of itself is going to change that calculus one way or the other. Does this have any implications for the Stairway to Heaven case? This decision probably does not have an implication for the Stairway to Heaven cases. In that case, the issues were more with respect to infringement as opposed to here where the issue has to go to validity of the copyright in the first place. The argument fundamentally here is don't even consider whether there was copyright infringement because you can only have infringement when there is a copyrightable work and that the underlying work, the simple phrase players going to play, is simply not copyrightable. People say that all the time. At least that's the argument. And I just don't see that as impacting the Stairway to Heaven case. It impacts a lot of other cases that might get brought in the future, though. Thanks for being on Bloomberg Law, Terry. That's Terrence Ross of Catton, Muchen, and Rosenman. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.